Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to the Engadget Podcast, South by Southwest edition. I'm Devendra Hardwar, and tonight I'm joined by Nathan Ingram. How's it going? How's hey. your How's your week been? Hey, Nate. It's been busy. And I haven't seen you. <laughs> it's just us tonight talking about what we've seen at South by Southwest 2017. Yeah. Uh, this is my first time here. Have you been here before, Nate? This is my second time. Okay. So neither of us are really veterans, I would say. Uh, we are definitely rolling deep this year, though. There's at least five or six other people who... Uh, we're not able to join us tonight who have been here a lot. Um, if you want to see what they've seen about the show, obviously go to Engadget. There's lots of stories going up, but we will have to represent this year's uh, efforts. <laughs> well, yeah, it's um, <clears throat> what have you seen at this point, Nate? Because it seems like a strange show. We're kind of just all spread out. I think at most shows, we tend to group up in the morning and kind of figure out a game plan. But here it's pretty much we're, we're all out seeking things that interest us within our own beats uh what have you seen well i feel like people always say what's like the trend at a certain show and at south by southwest what i've come to realize is there is never any one thing you can always kind of go and find at whatever you want that trend to be because there's just a staggering amount of panels happening meetings happening events happening that no one person could possibly take in we send you know 10 people we can't take it even in a small portion of it so it's really everyone's experiences can be kind of unique which i think we'll just have to get into what we've seen mm-hmm. um for me i'm doing mostly interactive stuff uh, you're doing more of the film side of things i'm doing a bit of both but yeah, yeah i was told to focus on film it's just it's a little tough because in gadget also it's we're a little new to entertainment and to film in general but i'm trying to figure it out yeah yeah i mean i'll say that there are i mean Putting aside everything I just said, there Uh are definitely trends that are kind of like bigger picture in the industry that come up. Obviously, there's lots of VR, AR, uh, immersive experience stuff happening. I saw a lot of that over at Sony's Wow Factory, kind of a silly name. But I went over there with the expectation of seeing uh, some interesting hardware prototypes. Last year at South by Southwest, they had a big uh, room where they shot up a bunch of like oddball cool hardware. We wrote up one long post about it, shot a video, and it was really interesting. I expected we'd do the same this year. But the Wow Factory had something like 12 different interactive exhibits you could try. And they were all very, very different. And they were all, um, I guess, interactive is really the best word I could use to, to explain it. And I tried about four or five different things. And that, so far, has been the most fun I've had here, for mm-hmm. sure. And Sony does that every year, I guess, right? So but th- this, felt, this mm-hmm. to me, felt really quite... Um, like a bigger deal. Like they went big this year for sure. Interesting. So yeah. what was like the highlight of that event for you? Uh, the thing that I liked the most was strapping on a synesthesia suit, which is like <laughs> this thing that has like basically haptic sensors all over it. And it was hooked up to a PS4 playing Res Infinite in VR. Oh, wow. Okay. So I had the suit on. I've got the goggles on. I've got the headphones on. And as I'm playing, the suit's vibrating as things are happening, as I'm getting shot at, as I'm shooting at things. Uh, Res Infinite's a very music-heavy game, so the music kind of was also, because the bass is pumping, it's hitting the, the suit. At first, it was a little overwhelming as I'm sitting there playing the game, trying to say, okay, what are these 
vibration supposed to like represent as I'm playing. Like I was just, I'm getting hit. I kind of stopped thinking about it and just played the game and had fun and it was really cool. Um, mm. I don't know what like the application of it is, is is hard to figure out yet because this is a super complicated process to get this suit on. Uh, but as a kind of like did proof you have of con- to keep your clothes on, Nate? I did, which okay. is good because we're in a room with like a hundred <laughs> other people, uh, so everyone was spared. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, so that was there. I didn't try this other one though. There was a wall that had a giant projection pointed at it, and it was basically playing a video game that was on the wall. But the game was you climbing up the wall, like uh-huh. it was a rock climbing wall, and. It was projecting like you're like in this Spider-Man scenario with Spider-Man. He's guiding you up the wall as you're climbing and you have to like wait. Oh, it's not safe to go now. The vulture's here. And then like it was ridiculous. But the wow. fact that they were letting people climb this wall was kind of crazy. Brand integration. Yeah. Just so much brand. Spider-Man. Well, Sony and Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anything else? Like I haven't seen you, Nate, since. Uh, so we got here on Thursday of last week. We're recording this on Monday. Yep. Um, What's the date? Monday, March 13th. And yeah, I've, I've just, yeah, I haven't seen many people. Yeah, like know? because there's so much going on, we all really just kind of split off, mm-hmm. filled up our calendars maybe a little bit before the start of the week. But then once you're here, it's really on the fly, just like seeing what's going on, adjusting your schedule, dropping things, picking things up, just mm-hmm. going. And, and we'll cross paths when we do, but a lot of times you're kind of off on your own little spirit quest. Uh, other things that I saw, I got to see uh, Vice President Joe Biden speak, which was pretty awesome. Uh, I was saying earlier that I've, I came to South by Southwest last year and saw President Obama speak, and now I've seen Biden speak. So uh, that's pretty cool. He spent a, a good hour talking about next, next year. It'll be who? Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. The next leader of America. Can't wait. Okay. Can't wait. I don't. I feel like he probably won't be invited. Um, so. Biden was talking quite a bit about the cancer moonshot that he spent most of the last year of his time mm-hmm, in office mm-hmm. working on uh, under President Obama and all the stuff that he's learned from that. And a lot of that has just been about the fact that to, to, to solve cancer, it's not just about being the disease. It's about breaking down the bureaucracy and the barriers and sharing information, sharing between parents, excuse me, patients, mm-hmm. doctors, uh, researchers, universities, all of that could be improved on. And that's something he thinks that South by Southwest's crowd is particularly suited to. He you know, called the crowd the most innovative minds in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he spent a lot of time talking about, um, as his speech went on near the end, he started saying, you know, there are these things that we should be able to do or maybe expect that we can do, but we're not able to. And, you know, why is that the case? And he's like, why is it the fact that I can pull up my phone and look up movie times all across the entire United States, but we can't, like, share clinical trial information better? Sure. Yeah. Um, he said some things like, you know, you're all here working on things that are both uh, important and frivolous and that's fine. But like we could really use a lot of help on this thing. And it's, he started to get kind of like angry almost um, when he talked about this. He got really impassioned. Looking about at it. you, yo developers. Right. Exactly. Um, but it was just really interesting to hear mm-hmm. the kind of stuff that he broke down. Um, and he also talked about it as like a, like a really bipartisan issue too, right? Like yeah, this so is he, one of the, yeah, one of the quotes that we was, can all agree on that cancer is bad. Correct. One of the quotes that he's, uh, that he's, that he said and that has been published quite a bit by other outlets is that cancer is the last bipartisan issue uh mm-hmm. and to to sort of expand on that he was talking about at the end of december uh this past year at the, in the senate they passed this 6.3 billion dollar cancer research bill and it went pretty smoothly and senate majority leader mitch mcconnell 
you know, renamed it as the Bo Biden uh, bill, basically, mm -hmm. for his son who passed away from brain cancer in 2015. Uh, so just, just seeing the sort of collaboration there between Repu Republicans and Democrats is unexpected. But, it, yeah, it's, it's something that everyone can agree on needs to be worked on for sure. Uh -huh. Um, so that was really interesting, not, you know, directly related to maybe the stuff we cover every day, but obviously there's a lot to talk about within data and science and, and so forth. And you've been to cancer. a lot of panels too. Like any highlights from those? <sighs> Let me take a minute and think. <laughs> there about... are so many panels at South by. Yeah. Like that's the, the thing about the show is that you can easily get swept up just like going from panel to panel and waiting for them too, cause they get closed off if you're not in there in time so i haven't been to as many panels this year as i went to last year but one that i did do today was about this uh, immersive interactive experience called the tension experience it was in la over the last year and it was basically a combination of like ar games and in-person events and i'm not doing a very good job explaining all that mm -hmm. goes on with it but it basically culminated in uh around halloween where they had some like haunted house situation you'd go in but it was like a good two hour long experience you'd be in this this house with this crazy stuff happening to you and leading up to that you know people who've been playing the game like someone might just like pull up a van at a party and like grab someone and take them away to this this crazy experience they don't know what's happening uh basically just trying to like move entertainment beyond a director makes something he puts uh -huh. it on a screen you watch it to some that you you take part in you shape the story to some extent even or if not you directly the actions of the people participating will shape that story as it goes along uh the guy who who, who spearheaded it was the guy who directed saw two three and four i think you may know his mm. name it's slipping my mind right now okay um obviously i'm not exactly not a, the great saws no I'm, okay. not, I'm not a huge saw <laughs> fan but the fact that the first he, saw is great is but, it yeah. great yeah that's, That's interesting. Movie. I don't know. I don't, so I don't really get into horror myself, but uh -huh. this is like an immersive horror experience. It sounded really interesting, and just the idea of taking storytelling to a new uh, place using technology, using uh, the internet to connect people, sounded really interesting to me. So what have you seen? Uh, a bunch of things. So yeah, I've been seeing mainly like a mix of interactive and film experiences at this point. Um the first day of the show, Ridley Scott was around talking about Alien Covenant, his yeah. upcoming movie. And, uh, you know, he he's a really interesting guy. He has this reputation of being kind of uh, just a grumpy old man. So it's really funny seeing him. Uh, he was at the Nat Geo stage and just like people were clapping and like hollering for him. And he just gave like a just like a slight wave. Like, <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I know I'm, I'm wonderful. Great. Yeah. But the uh, yeah, he brought some of the cast members here too: okay. uh, Catherine Waterston, Danny McBride. Danny McBride, first of all, a, an actor who I love as a comedian. Really strange to see him in an Alien movie. Now, and did you see some of the new movie? We did. We saw about fifteen minutes of footage. Oh, that's a pretty good chunk. Yeah, it's. It, it, I I kind of forgot because I used to do this at Comic Con. You know, you get spoiled because they tend to show length, nice, meaty scenes. I saw a scene where they were trying to uh, land on this alien planet, and it was kind of a rough ride. Uh, there was one alien attack and then a big revelation that I think is going to play into the mythology and all. Um, so, yeah, we're spoiled a little, but uh, I like the direction of the movie that I'm seeing. Um, I think people were worried after Prometheus uh, just disappointed everyone. Um, they were worried about Ridley Scott, like, jumping back into this so quickly and doing what looks like a direct, you know, follow-up to Prometheus as well because uh, Michael Fassbender is back in this one playing a different android. Um, you know, there are, there are big conversations we could have around Prometheus. Uh, I don't hate that movie. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things I like about it. I think that there's an operation sequence in that movie um, that is harrowing and wonderful and tense, and I think one of the best things Ridley Scott has ever done. 
And then there are really bad things about that movie, like the characters just being idiots and doing really <laughs> stupid things. Um, based on what I've seen from the new footage, this feels a lot like more of the original Alien. Uh, there is some big action. It still looks amazing. Um, is I it going to be more of like a tense sort of psychological sort of thing? Rather I don't than, think so. Like they yeah. sh- So after I saw the footage, uh, they replayed the original Alien uh, at the Paramount Theater here at South By. And that was a really interesting experience, too, just seeing the old footage uh, right alongside the new stuff. Clearly, the new movie is harkening back to some of that imagery, um, especially like the crashed alien spaceship and everything uh, that they find in the first movie. Uh, but the, from what I've seen in the new one, like there are some great sequences or maybe some newer alien types that we can look forward to being afraid of. And the action just looks really good. So Ridley Scott says his goal has always been to scare the crap out of you. So I think he's still going to do that. Uh, I just hope the script kind of uh, is is just a little more polished than what we How saw. How many movies have there been? Those the, the first three. There have been Prometheus? four, four of those, uh, like the, the original ones, Alien yeah. series. There was Alien versus Predator, which I don't think we're going to even count as canon. Then Prometheus, and now this one. Yeah. And Ridley Scott says he has like enough juice in him. He's an older dude, but yeah. he has enough juice in him to do like you know four or five more movies so that's kind of crazy that's kind of interesting uh, i tried really hard to get him uh on camera and to talk with him here at the show but that uh unfortunately failed uh but i did get to see a bunch of other great films um i saw baby driver the new film from edgar wright uh that's coming out in august it is about a young getaway driver really nice old school action um relevant in gadget too because uh ipods play a significant role in that film it's the first movie i've seen where iPods, there, there's like a nostalgia for iPods and like what, original iPods. When is it like, set? Is it set it's in set the modern today. time? Okay. Yeah, it's set today. But the main character is this kid who, you know, he has a he has a hearing problem, so he just plays music to kind of drown out the uh, drown out the ringing in his ears, and he has a collection of original iPods, which is kind of interesting. It's sort of like somebody having a collection of records, which he does as well. But, but there's a nice love of technology. And I've just never seen iPods treated that way. You know, it's I do feel like there's not anymore anyway. There's a brand, uh, there's certainly a type of person right now who's coveting the original iPod and like yeah. the, the old hard drive iPods. And this movie just kind of shows the same love that we used to give to like, you know, cassette mixtapes and nice albums uh, to the iPod. It's kind of fascinating. That reminds mm-hmm. me, there's a, a book by um, William Gibson that I read. I think it's called pattern recognition it's mm-hmm. from like 2004 yeah and ipods play a significant role in it as well not in a musical sense necessarily but just as a like tool to move data around huh so that kind of reminds me of that i was wondering maybe if the movie was set in a time when ipods were more easily accessible perhaps <laughs> but no this is like retro ipod which yeah is, it's 2017 right? right so the ipod came out early 2000s like it's retro by this point like come on like uh, in the 90s what was new in the 70s right like that's Crazy. cassettes were new in the like that's kind of the state we're in right now so thanks yes, for making me feel super we're old, old. <laughs> we're all old and uh did you have an original ipod uh i did not i when never did you get on board uh i think i didn't get an ipod i never got like an, an ipod i the i got the iphone 3gs and that was my first big apple product what the heck did you listen to music on before that uh there were other mp3 players there was a rio karma Ooh. which was a great one uh toshiba had the gigabeat series which was sort of like the precursor to the zune uh i like i like the offbeat yeah. stuff happening because i mean it's apple fun. wasn't yeah. apple was not the first company making mp3 players Clearly, yeah rio was there first i had so, a rio yeah 
but I, I also then got an iPod them. because they were clearly so much better. I respected <laughs> Rio's first or more uh, for that sort of thing, and then eventually, I, uh, yeah, I got the iPhone. Yeah. If you had any of these weird offbeat <laughs> pre Zune MP3 players, Devin just talking about, hit us up on Twitter and tell us about it for sure. Like we have a if you check out on Gadget when the Zune was officially, I think we were marking the death of the Zune or something. We did a retrospective piece on it, and yeah, I, you know, I I have fond memories. I had the original Zune. I had the Zune HD, which today is even still a nice little. Yeah, people like that thing a lot. Yeah, it feels good. It had a good design. Uh, And Baby Driver is an interesting film, too, because uh, everything in the movie is set to music. So the Mm. chase sequences are like synchronized to music tracks. The shootouts and gunfights are synchronized to music, which is really interesting. It must have been very hard for them to edit for uh, because like, yeah, every every like drum hit like corresponds with a gunshot. It's just, it's, yeah. Who, who directed? Edgar Wright. So the guy who did uh, Shaun of the Dead. Oh. Hot Fuzz and The World's End and Scott Pilgrim. So he's one of my favorite directors. So I'm glad that this worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. I feel like he had, like, his, his early reputation was just about making such kind of goofy things that seeing him become more of like a, I don't want to say serious filmmaker. Like, not that his earlier no, stuff. This was is serious, just as good. Like, this is goofier than is obviously okay. some of his things. Like, Interesting. He's always made nice genres things. I think The World's End was his most serious film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is definitely more. This is the first film that he wrote entirely on his own. So it seems a little lighter than even those films. It's pretty much a straight out, a straight up um, crime film. Like, it's okay. about a kid who's in a situation and he has to get out of it. And it gets really hard. So I'll, I may write something up about the iPod stuff soon. Uh, I also saw Atomic Blonde, which is directed by David Leach. And I think I've heard good things about yes, this one. Yes, this is the crazy uh, Charlie's Theron spy movie. I loved it. Just great style, great action. Not super relevant to Engadget, I guess, but, you know, I'm it's here. South by Southwest. It's South kind by. Of, uh, things yeah. loosen up this week. I want to make it relevant. And, <laughs> but beyond that, you know, I've talked to a couple of people, too. We had a great conversation with Ron Howard this morning about Genius, which is his new uh, biopic series about... Uh, Albert Einstein. And Where is that going to be available? That's going to be on Nat Geo okay. soon, in a couple months, I think. I don't even remember the exact date. I also talked with Frank Oz, who's uh, directed a new film called Muppet Guys Talking, which is about him and some of the original Muppet uh, puppeteers and voice actors. And, yeah, we talked a bit about the film. I haven't had a chance to see that. I tried, and it was just really tough to get in have you heard much about the, the response to it yet i think people like it yeah and it's just it's it who doesn't want to know more about yeah. the muppets right? what's not to like yeah and apparently there are some new stories there that they've never told before in public so that's all you know looking forward to seeing that but also check out our interview with him he talked about you know the role of technology in puppetry um i specifically was wondering like uh would something like a little shop of horrors even work today in cg because i think a big appeal to that movie is that giant puppet which is just so freaky and terrifying (laughs) because it's physical it's real yeah and the characters are actually interacting with it so yeah he had some good thoughts there um he definitely thinks like the problem with cg is that we can do anything and that's having limitations makes things better sometimes i think so yeah and i did try to ask him about yoda he would not comment but you know dear and gadget listeners i tried that's all i can say um, I did also ask both Ron Howard and uh, Frank Oss about VR and their thoughts of it as a storytelling medium, and they're both very excited. Um, you know, Ron Howard was a great chat. You should definitely watch that interview because he's such an energetic guy, uh, but he's very much, he admits to not being on the cutting edge of tech, which is 
you know, kind of a good thing. Not everybody needs to be there, and sometimes it pays to wait and see when new technology kind of uh, when the problems get smoothed smoothed out. Um, so it seems like that's his approach to VR right now. Frank Oz is very excited by it all. And honestly, I'd like I'd love to see either of them do something in VR. I'd like to see puppets in VR. <laughs> Someone make that happen, please. Yeah, uh, puppets. among yeah. puppets in VR, that would be interesting. Yeah. Among other things, I also checked out the Meta Two AR headset. Yep. And I know you saw this last year, Nate. Yep. Uh, I, the one I saw is the shipping model, so it's basically the same. There's some memory foam in there to make it more comfortable. Uh, the AR experience looks you pretty much the same. You seem more bullish on it than yeah. you are about Hololens, which is interesting. Well, I mean. I think I'm bullish about both because, okay. yeah, we, we don't know what's going to work out. They both have problems. Uh, we shall see. Like, yeah. this whole market is in very much a beta stage right now. I think VR is even more, more. Yeah, even more so. Yeah, VR. We Last year, we had the VR consumer headsets. This year, uh, we're seeing VR content kind of uh, upgrading themselves. Meta is still in the pre-order phase. They're going to start, you know, um, they're going to start. Sh- they are already shipping out units to developers, but they're going to fulfill all their pre-orders within a couple months and then they're going to announce their full retail price right now it's 950 for the pre-order but uh one of the meta guys said that it's going to be substantially more expensive once it's for retail so that's an interesting thing to say yeah get those pre-orders in because it's yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to 1500 or even 2000 like the hololens is what around 3000 now is it really yeah it was for developers it was a really expensive thing so yeah, VR or AR is in a really interesting place. Um, the demo looked cool. I mean, I think yeah. it just reinforces the notion that this is still not stuff that's ready for prime time consumers. For sure. Like think yeah. five, four or five years ago, Google Glass similarly fifteen hundred dollars, just yeah. like not meant to be sold as a consumer product. You're buying it up because you want to build for the platform. Mm-hmm. And Google, uh, I think Google Glass was way too early, just because it was a tiny little display and it was like a big. It was such a weird distraction. I think they didn't think about the problems of like bringing that into a new into society that just looks at that stuff with suspicious uh, with suspicion. It's all just very early right now. It seems like the AR market is trying to uh, basically encourage developers and get them to build yeah. some software. So it's going to be a while before yeah. it's consumer ready. Uh, the interesting thing though is uh, the Meta guy mentioned that he's completely replaced his monitor with the meta headset yeah when i saw yeah. them last year they talked a lot about using it in the workplace mm-hmm. as a display and they're having entire teams do this so he's using it to replace uh his 27 inch imac monitor and he's running you know mac os through the uh through the headset and it seems to work well for him yeah that's pretty crazy last year they were yeah. not doing that i was seeing like specifically coded demos for uh-huh. it to run but i don't think at the time it could just replace your computer monitor mm-hmm and the demo I saw, it was uh, just showing off different parts of the human brain, and you could like interact with it and put pieces in the brain. Uh, it looked clear. And it looked pre- the motion tracking was very good. Uh, my big issue with it is that there were there was some issues like just actually touching it and actually like interacting with yeah. certain things. Um, the field of view is nice. I think that's the biggest advantage over Hololens. Uh, it's ninety degrees on the Meta Two. And the HoloLens is more around 30 degrees, and that means what you're looking at, uh, there's basically a thin strip in front of your vision, and and the HoloLens, it's very, very thin. It's like you're staring at a tiny uh, widescreen monitor, you know, on your head. Uh, Whereas with the Meta, there's much, it's just a much bigger uh, thing you're actually looking at. So it feels like the AR is more complete. It feels like it's a thing that exists in the world. Uh, So I think that part is more impressive. 
And, you know, we'll see where all this goes. Meta says they're working on their own custom OS. Um, they're working on new gestures that they're hoping um, Microsoft and Magic Leap will also adopt as well. We could see something similar like what happened with Apple and the multi-touch gestures and when the touch screens came out. Uh, but yeah, Meta is very hardcore on building their own OS, and Microsoft right now is trying really hard to get people into Windows Holographic, which is both a combined AR and VR environment. We're going to start seeing those headsets this year, and they've also said that you know an improved HoloLens probably wouldn't come from them either. So it seems like Microsoft is I consider this like the PC wars. Microsoft is being Microsoft again, just trying right. to get everybody in on it. And so like, they're going to pass off the hardware making to yeah, others. Different pieces of hardware are going to be out there. It's going to be like a universal platform, and a lot of people will support it. Meta wants to build its own platform, so I guess more like the Apple of this world. And yeah, we'll see how all that works out. Um, I guess one small demo. I saw a demo from a company, a startup here called Howly, and they've developed a way to track vr and then motion detection with sound and that's it's just a cool unique thing this is a tiny company uh the demos they have are very early but they're getting patents on this technology and right now we're using light to do all this stuff and that has problems if something blocks the sensor uh using sound could be interesting it's cheaper since it doesn't require new hardware uh but yeah very early at this point it's just one of those cool random things you run into a south by i saw them uh premiering at a uh, vr demo held uh, by the Capital Factory, which is this uh, co-working space slash, I think they're also like a VC group or something. Probably. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of how all these things work. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what I saw. I Looking feel like we've talked about, I feel like we've talked about VR a lot here. So much VR. Like yeah. VR, last year was the year of consumer VR headsets. This year will likely be the year of, you know, VR the content. content right? Yeah. And the platforms maturing. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah. Honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing more. I was planning to leave tomorrow, Tuesday, but the snowstorm in New York is keeping me here. Um, so I'm, I've rescheduled to Thursday, which I don't mind. It's like 70 degrees and very nice out here. Yeah, the and first few days it was super gross, yeah. but now it's sunny. It's nice. Uh, I'm also <laughs> staying for an extra day, so that's exciting for me. Uh, we'll, the, the, the return Listeners, let's homes. take bets on how long Nate actually stays. I'm scheduled to be home Wednesday night now. Uh, Devinger does not think I'm going to make it. <laughs> Let's just leave it We'll at see that. how it goes. Uh, I, I wish you the best of luck. Thank Nate. you. How does South By compare to other tech shows to you? Because I, I really love the vibe here. I like Austin as a city. It's just really cool, really chill, great food, great vibe. Um, as a show, South By seems a lot less, I don't know, a lot less hectic, a lot less crazy than CES um, or most other tech shows to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's wildly different than anything else we cover all year long. Uh and we're right in the season where there's, you know, lots of big shows right back to back, right? We have CES January, Mobile World Congress February, South by Southwest. We get a little break and then E3. And all of those have things in common. South by is, is very different than those, though. Um, the pace can be very frantic if right, you want to yeah. really pack your schedule in. And there's a lot of different things to do, right? Like I spend a lot of time at the official panels where you need your badge to get into and see these things. But there's also lots of demos and companies showing things off outside of the official, you know, presence. You don't have to be actually at South by Southwest. There's like people are taking over bars and restaurants and showing things off. So it really you can put as much into this or as little into it as you want. <laughs> um, and I, by that, I just mean you can you can run yourself wild like you do at CES. Right, yeah. But it's not the same as like it's not companies launching products that we're going to see right. and experience. It's more about ideas and it's less Look tangible. Look how cool and creative we are. Yeah. That's really it. Yeah. yeah. And like, that sounds a little pretentious saying it out <laughs> loud, 
And it can be. It can be. Yeah. Like one of the demos I saw was this 8K quote unquote VR screen from uh from it was from a bunch of Japanese groups. So like NHK Enterprise, NHK MediaTek, Victor Entertainment. But what it really is is a giant 8K projection and a hydraulic chair that kind of <laughs> swings you around. So it, it pretends to be VR because it covers your field of vision. You're just looking at this big cl- image uh, in 8K. Um, but you're moving around as the camera's moving around. Kind of an interesting thing. Um, not useful. Not something that's <laughs> actually going to be in a commercial space or anything. Uh, but it's more like these Japanese companies got together to say, hey, look what we can do. Uh, I'm going to be, I wrote that up too. We have a cool little video of me trying to ride that. That thing was pretty cool, um, <laughs> except it's relying on a projector fighting against the bright lights of the convention center. They really need to just like put a curtain around that thing. Yeah, I think that a lot of the demos and hardware stuff you see falls into that category, uh, like all the Sony stuff I was talking about of, this isn't necessarily something that is a fully baked experience. It's just like, look what we can do with this technology. Mm-hmm. Why don't you guys take it now and do something useful with it? Like one of the Sony things I tried was this wristband. It was like a large watch basically. And it syncs up to, I think it was a tablet that's outputting audio and it's, it makes audio as you move things. So like you could punch and it would make this sound like an explosion mm-hmm. or you can, you know, tap your body and it's like uh, playing a xylophone or as you wave your arm, it changes like the pitch and modulation of some sound. So a totally contained experience that has no real points, but the tech, the, 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 the flexibility of that hardware makes you think, Oh, what could we do with this? It could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I what I like about South by is that it is more about creativity. That's kind of what they're pushing. That's always been Austin's kind of thing yep. too as a city. Um, it's not as business oriented as CES, and it actually reminds me a lot of Comic Con in certain ways too. Uh, especially all the on line the, waiting. Yeah, all the line waiting, and also on the entertainment side, like all the cool people who used to be at Comic Con are now coming to South by. Um, so yeah, I saw Edgar Wright at Comic Con when he premiered Scott Pilgrim, and that was an amazing experience. And then doing the same thing here, it just felt reminiscent. What I like about South By compared to Comic-Con, though, is that by the end of the line, you're usually looking at a complete experience, right? Or a complete mm-hmm. movie. At Comic-Con, you will wait like two or three hours in line to see a panel. where get you a may trailer, get a trailer, maybe. Yeah, or, yeah. You may get a glimpse of something. Uh, so it feels, Or you might get nothing. <laughs> yeah. It feels a lot more substantial. I kind of like that, too. I don't mind waiting in line if I know I'm going to get like a great movie after a couple hours. Yeah, know, it's so. very different than waiting to like hear some people talk, which you could just watch on YouTube. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I mean, as far as other tech shows go, a lot of, I've talked to a lot of people. I think if you're interested in technology, if you're interested in art and entertainment, this is probably the show to come to compared to any of the others. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, uh, even if you know, I guess we said some of this stuff isn't necessarily going to be quote unquote shipping products. Yeah, it's a lot more interesting. Uh, you go to CES and it's really just a glut of stuff that, mm-hmm. you know, there's a high level of interest of, in some small amount of the things, a whole bunch of junk, and then you hope to see some innovations mm-hmm. kind of spring out. Some years you get it, some years you get nothing, and it's kind of a disappointment. So I've talked to a lot of people about the show too, and some people think that South By has lost its mojo. It used to be the place where like a killer app would debut, uh, like Foursquare had its moment one year, um, Periscope was yep. another year. Uh, how do you like do, have you noticed that do you think that's true so like i said i've only been here twice uh but obviously i've been paying attention to yeah. what comes out of the show for a long time and i think i was thinking about that earlier and my comparison would be to, to comparing it to new phone hardware which sounds a little strange but mm-hmm. we're getting to the point where hardware for phones is so mature that every time a new one comes out it's not going to be this mind-blowing oh look at this huge leap forward experience that 
doesn't happen as much. I think similarly, apps and services is such a saturated, widely profitable, and just the notion of like a weird little app coming out of nowhere and right. taking over is just less viable now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bigger, you know, there's bigger business behind it too. So if the company's got a really good idea, they're going to really not just try and make it a fluky South by Southwest, South by Southwest thing, but really push it out there, I think. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know about losing the, the mojo. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've heard people saying that it's, you know, Austin is starting to run out of room here, to be honest. <laughs> like we're running out of hotels, we're running out of spaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's as much going on on the panels as I've ever seen. You're still getting huge, big names. Mm-hmm. I think there's some Game of Thrones people here. There's Joe Biden. Yeah, you walk like, down the street, you see celebrities and stuff too. It feels it feels a lot like other big shows. It feels like walking down a major city in some yeah. ways too. Yeah. I suppose you could make the argument that it has sort of peaked in terms of like having that sort of underground cachet of it mm-hmm. not being the most widely uh, you know, experienced show. Like, it wasn't, like, the biggest, most mainstream thing, and now it's kind of hitting the mainstream yeah. in a big way. Like, yeah. uh, another weird comparison thing about music festivals where Bonnaroo was, like, this sort of underground right. thing for a long time, and now it's you get the biggest names there. It's just as big as, like, a Coachella or whatever. I feel, so. Yeah, anything that's underground that's vaguely successful will reach this point. Uh, when people bring up the app stuff, it just seems like that all occurred in a weird period where, you know, the mobile market was new. We were doing cool new things with phones. Developers were just trying to figure out what you could do. You have a mini supercomputer in your pocket. It has location capabilities. You could do all this stuff. And, yeah, it turns out, yeah, you could uh, you could do something like Foursquare. You could do something like Instagram. Or eventually when the cell networks got better, you could do something like, uh, you know, like Streaming Periscope. Video, Streaming yeah. video. Like it all, it seems like, the creative uses of technology have ended up being shown at South by. I've also noticed like a lot of the stuff is just popping up elsewhere now. You know, these companies don't need a big event to launch. Uh, viral apps can just happen. Right. On their we, own. we get it now. Yeah, <laughs> we get it. It's not new. It's not fresh. I'm waiting for the new tech things to pop up here, uh, but I don't think the show has really lost its mojo. It may be a little less like you, you don't want to just come here to find the next big thing in tech because right. that's the wrong way of doing South by, I think. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. more about just that experience. Mm-hmm. Cool, just Anything- finding things you just find stuff that you that you're interested in. Like, yeah, I think like I basically just sat down and looked at the panel list for each day, picked out some stuff that sounded interesting, tried to go to it, tried to meet some people yeah. interesting, go to some parties. It reminded me, it's like a college experience almost. Like, hey, yeah, a little bit. This this looks cool. I'm gonna go to this. I'm gonna yeah. take a little bit of this. I'm gonna go to this party, and that's that's kind of it. And, and while you, we're at it, yeah. we're gonna eat some good food. Yeah, exactly. I think we figured this out, Nate. Yep. South by is college recreated. That's why everybody likes to come here. And that's why I feel a little bit old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, From what I hear, we'll all feel old when South by music starts because that's when the teens come in. Yes. And And our uh, own Roberto Baldwin will be covering (laughs) that. And I think he's older than both of us. Our youngest reporter. What are you talking about? He's our youngest reporter. Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, Anything else you want to mention about the show, Nate? Uh... No, I just had a good time. I like it down here. It's it's one of the more fo- fun shows for us to cover, and I'm glad that we get to do it. Cool. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. If you have questions, complaints, suggestions, let us know. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, where are you, Nate? You can reach me at Nate Ingram on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Davidra on Twitter and Instagram. You can email us at podcast at Engadget.com. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes and check out Engadget next week if we're still here. <laughs>